God has a word for us. Oh, Sister Virginia has an announcement, Pastor. This coming Saturday? Okay, yeah, ladies meeting this Saturday since you guys missed the one yesterday. The fellas still met at Costello's. I enjoyed sleeping in on Saturday, so I missed it. <laughs> um, I enjoyed not having to be at work at all this week, and so that was wonderful for me. So I enjoyed the snow. Um, so uh, it, was, it was great to just stay home and be around with the fam. So last week we, uh, we talked about uh, the vine. We talked about the vine from John 15. This week uh, we are going to go through uh, kind of continuing on with this this thought process of the vine from John 15, but we're going to move a little further into this. Um, the title of this message today is God is Holy. God is Holy. So let's start again from John 15. We're going to read the same group of passages we did last week. It's always good to, to go through and read scripture together. Amen. So John, he says this. He, uh, he, he remembers and recalls Jesus' words and says, uh, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Father, thank you so much for your word and for uh, sending your son to, to come and live a life that, that reflects that of what you want us to live here on earth. Thank you for the Bible and for all these different men and women who, who lived lives that, that were pursuing you. Thank you that we have time and time again, example after example of people who were imperfect, of your grace and your mercy being displayed, and for making a way of salvation for us through Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Come and move, convict our hearts, highlight the things from, the, from these passages that that we need to really reflect on and actually take home with us and practice in our daily lives. Let us not be pew potatoes, just people who come to church and just listen to someone speak, but remain unchanged in our lives. Lord, let us be so in love with you that we pursue transformation of ourselves, not hoping that our behavior can change the word that's in scripture, but that your scripture can change the heart. So Jesus, speak to us this morning. Make your ways known to us. So that we can be great reflections of you here on this earth. For others to know and to give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love these words from Jesus. Especially because he talks a lot about a growth process that we get to encounter and go through. I talked about last week how how Jesus mentioned that God is the gardener, that Jesus is divine and we are the branches. We have been grafted in as believers, as those who love God, as those who have who've claimed to dedicate our lives to Jesus. 
And when we make that decision, this is where this is where I get a little annoyed at the concept of the quote unquote sinner's prayer is because I think sometimes people believe that if they just pray a prayer that just says that I'm giving my life to Jesus and that I just want him to be the Lord of my life, that they feel like that's their ticket. That's it. That's all they have to do. But in actuality, we don't practice the activity of being transformed to be more like Jesus. Remember last week we talked about from the passage in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 where it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Faith, it by uh, John Wimber defines it this way, the founder of the Vineyard Movement. He, he defines it as faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Faith means to risk. It means you have to step out and you have to actually do things that the Bible talks about. You have to do things that also makes you uncomfortable. You have to go through processes that, that, are, are, that could be aggravating and agitating because we're dying to ourselves. Three weeks ago, I talked about, about picking up your cross so that you can follow after Jesus. This is an important aspect of our lives that we have to lay down our own ambitions many times and realize that if we truly want to have Jesus as Lord of our lives, it's not the dictator of our lives, but someone that we can work with in tandem, but we become more like then we truly need to be evaluators of our own lives. We need to go through the Bible, and when we read, and when we find something that's agitating to us, or maybe, maybe that we don't quite agree with, we need to think this way. Instead of saying, ah, maybe there's just a different interpretation, we probably need to think, I'm wrong and the Bible's right. Again, that's a process that we've talked about um, called eisegesis, when you read your own self into Scripture and you try to redefine things based on your own interpretation instead of allowing the Bible to interpret the way that we're supposed to live. And so Jesus talks about this. He says, I am the vine, my father's a gardener, and you're the branch. So if you are in me, those who remain in me, they will be pruned. They will go through pruning processes. That means anything that's a part of that, of that, of that branch, anything that's there, that could be taken away from the overall health and well-being of that plant, it will be pruned away. It'll be cut away. It'll be taken apart so that the plant can thrive in a much greater capacity. Sometimes we're going to go through processes of having to be reevaluated and have to get rid of some things inside of us so that we can have greater growth. I love in verse 9, he says, As the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. So, so what are some of these things? I, thinking back as I was studying through, through this topic, in verse 17, he says, this is my command to love each other, but what does that look like? What does love really look like in the midst of, of the body of Christ? How does this look for us in, with an example of Jesus? In Romans 7, 4, he says, So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. There's that word fruit again. Many of the Jews at those times were, were participating in, in the activity of the law because they just wanted to do the right thing. They didn't quite have the, the capacity of knowing who they were doing this for. They were just doing these rules so that they could remain, quote-unquote, righteous. But righteous activities don't save you. Christ saves us. It's by the mercy of God, by the grace of God. But the process of grace is also this. Uh, Paul talks about this. He says, we're not supposed to enjoy the fruit of grace, but continue to sin. So there's a process there. there there's, there's a mark that we need to hit. Sin, again, sin, the, 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 that word sin means, it comes from like an archery term where if you miss the mark when you're doing archery, when you're pulling that arrow back and you shoot it, you miss the mark, that's sin. You just missed it. You miss the standard that you're supposed to be shooting towards, and so when you miss it, you sin. And so in our lives, when we miss the mark, when we, mi when we miss the standard that God has set for us, then we have sinned. 
And so anybody who's around a good coach, if you're on any kind of team, I played athletics in, in high school and in college, and, and a, any good coach that I had was someone who watched the way that I would participate in certain activities, and they would say, hey, you need to fix your feet here, you need to lift your knees up a little higher, or you need to pull your arm back a little bit more, or maybe you need to extend a little bit more, or hey, you can push through this, this, is, this may seem like it's very difficult, and you may feel like your body can't make it, but I can assure you, you can continue on, and you can continue to do better, and you actually develop more stamina, and you can actually progress. Hey, you guys need to figure some stuff out right now because we got to play together as a team. So a good coach will bring you together and cause you to go further than what you feel like you can go. Because if we only go the distance that we feel we can, we will always come up short from what we can actually get into. And so anybody who's a good coach, anybody who's a good encourager will encourage you past the capacity that you think you can take. And so in this process... In order for us to, to hit the mark, to meet the standard, we have to have a standard higher than our own moral compass. We have to look and see what is it that Christ is requiring of me. I don't think I can put the bottle down. You don't think you, you, you want to, or you don't think you can, or you actually just don't want to. You don't think you can, or you just refuse to do what your coach is asking of you. I don't think I can, I can quit talking to this person. You don't think you can? Or has that person become your God? Or has your flesh become your God so much so that you don't care what anybody else says and you don't care what the holy God of the universe is asking you to do to bring you to a different place to create a process of holiness inside of you that will lead you into a much greater place later on. You also die to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. You're in Christ. When you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new has come. First Peter chapter one says this in verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. What are you talking about ignorance? What is that ignorance? Ignorance is living in sin and being unaware of the salvation that Jesus can truly offer you. Being aware because there's a difference between hearing stories about Jesus Christ that many people do in America now these days. I mean, there, there are all kinds of different movies or TV shows. I mean, uh, Jesus Christ is used as a curse word just in itself. So you've heard jesus christ the name it's one thing to just hear the name but it's another thing to understand the weightiness that that name carries it's another thing to know the true sacrifice that he made for you and to feel the weight of your sin and to know that you cannot overcome sin on your own that you needed a savior and so look don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written this comes from leviticus be holy because i am holy since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. I love that he talks first and foremost about holiness before he talks about love. I love that. I was listening to a guy named Nathan Finocchio speak um, uh, last night on uh, one of his messages, and, and he brought up a, a, a fact that I thought was super interesting. He said the word holy is in the Bible that's describing God. The Bible describes God as holy over 400 times. God is described as love twice in 1 John. Let that sink in. God is described as being holy over 400 times from Genesis to Revelation. Twice in 1 John, as he mentioned, as God is love. The Bible said God is holy 
over 400 times. God is love twice. We emphasize a lot the love of God, but we don't emphasize near enough the holiness of God. God is holy. There's a standard. There, there is, a, there is a, a thought process today that God is love, therefore we can just do whatever it is that we want to, and it's because I'm, this is what I feel, this is how I feel, this is good, this is okay, you know, I just, I just want to be happy and all this. Happiness, when you're going through the process of transformation, you are not always happy about that transformation. That's not fun to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because that means that there are some things in your mind that have to be changed, that has to be rethought about. You have to redefine habits, you have to, you have to first be aware of these habits so that they can be changed and transformed. If we are ignorant to the things that we're doing because we just feel like this is totally fine, then we're not listening to the conviction of the Holy Spirit as we're reading the word. Be holy as I am holy. You need to really define and really look at what holiness is in the Bible compared to just what the love of God is because the love of God is defined through his holiness, not holiness through his love. If you look, there, there are a few different places. One is in the book of Revelation, chapter 4. Another one is in Ezekiel, and then another one's in Isaiah, where they, there are um, depictions of the throne room. You have the prophet Isaiah who sees the throne room and sees all the things that are going on. The prophet Isaiah sees the throne room and sees what's happening around the glory of God. John the apostle has the revelation in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 4, where he sees the throne room and all the things that are happening around here. Do you know what the song that they are singing Whenever they're circling around the throne of God, love, love, love is God. Nope. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was. And it, come on. It, they're singing about his holiness, not just about, oh, I feel the love of God in the room. They're singing about his holiness. The most gnarly looking creatures in all of, all of creation circling around and, and cannot, cannot go in any direction without singing how holy God is. It's the never-ending song. That's why we're definitely charismatic. <laughs> the song just keeps going and 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 going. It has not stopped for all of eternity. It's the never-ending song. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Come on. That's the song that's being sung. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors. Verse 22 says this. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like la grass, and all their glory is like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This was the word that was preached to you. In Galatians, I'm not going to go through and read the whole thing. I'd love to, but maybe we'll do that next week. In Galatians, Paul, he goes through and he talks about a couple different things. I love, I love this chapter. I was telling Danielle last night. It's one of my favorite chapters from Paul. He goes through and he talks about life in Christ. The first one, or the first half, is freedom in Christ. For it is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Slavery of sin. Slavery of shame. Slavery of regret. Don't be enslaved by these things, but be transformed because you have been set free. It is for freedom so that you can live in freedom that Christ set us free. It is not for bondage that Christ set us free. Many times whenever some people, some people uh, enter into a process of going to church after not being in church, they get very excited and then they start just trying to follow just a bunch of rules instead of trying to redefine what their heart is actually doing. It's not about, it's not about rule following. It's not about rule following. If that's, the, if that's the antithesis of what we're doing, then rule following is your savior. However, if Jesus is your savior, then we have to get to a process where we are actually getting to know Jesus. 
And in the process of getting to know him, you will start to find out what his preferences are. And you'll start to find out some things that aggravate him about you. <laughs> some things about your behavior, some things about your life that are not quite the way that he wants to experience having someone who's supposed to be intimate with him act and react. For those of you guys who have ever been in a relationship, you know that when you are with somebody, you are not the perfect vessel for them. You don't, you don't just do every single thing ex exactly the way that they want you to every single time that you open your mouth or every time you do an activity. There's a process of learning their preferences, learning what makes them happy, learning what aggravates them, learning how to speak with them, learning what not to say. You're going through, I, I mean, shoot, I, I don't think that process will ever end. <laughs> I don't think that process will ever end. I'm, I've been married now for a little while, and we, we still are just going through all different kinds of things. Hey, we need to work on this. Hey, there's some things that I don't like the way that you said that. Well, I don't like the way that you treated me here. Okay, well, let's figure out what's going on inside of our hearts in the midst of these circumstances and situations and see why was it that I reacted this way. Why was it that you spoke to me like that? What, you know, and we're, so you're growing and you're learning, and so this process of knowing someone means that you're going to be constantly tr changed and transformed. You always have to be on guard. You always have to be to be walking with love in mind, and that love is, is a holy reverence for that person. And so who is the most holy? Who has the greatest standard? Who has the greatest way of doing things? It's Jesus. And so what's the best way that we can go about this? Is we have to learn his preferences. We have to read what the Bible says. But there's also, there's also something that, that I love that Leonard Ravenhill says in Why Revival Tarries. It's a phenomenal book if you want to just get wrecked and feel convicted. Read that book. It's amazing. Um, but read your Bible first, and then read that book. It's great. In chapter 8, uh, it's called Unbelieving Believers. He says this. I'll just read just a very small section. He says, one of these days, some simple soul will pick up the book of God, read it, and believe it. Then the rest of us will be embarrassed. We have adopted the, the convenient theory that the Bible is a book to be explained, whereas first and foremost, it is a book to be believed and then obeyed. The fact beats uh, ceaselessly into my brain these days that there is a world of difference between knowing the word of God and knowing the God of the word. It is not true, or is it not true, that with the coming round of Bible conferences, we hear only things repeated and most likely come away without any increase in faith. Perhaps God never had such a set of unbelieving believers as this present crop of Christians. How humiliating. That's not a kick in the teeth. How often do we come to church on a Sunday morning? How often do we listen to YouTube videos of different preachers that you really enjoy? How often maybe do you read a book that, that sounds really awesome and you get inspired and you have a lot of knowledge? But we remained unchanged. We remain unchanged. Ravenhill also says in earlier chapters, he says that that a message that's crafted from the mind will reach the mind of the people, but a message crafted from the heart will reach the heart of other people. When will our hearts be changed and transformed so that when we actually open our mouth around those who are around, that they can actually feel it inside their soul that Jesus really is the Lord? When will we actually go through the process of belief that we're practicing every single thing that we're reading? Where even though we're nervous or, or scared of stepping out into doing something, that we still do it because we know that the reward is much greater by saying yes to what Jesus is asking of us than it is if we just remain comfortable. Comfortability kills faith in many occasions. often are we becoming uncomfortable stepping out in faith to do what it is that God is asking us I'm not even talking about having to, to like go and knock on every single door that's around in your neighborhood if you feel like that's what the Lord wants you to do then absolutely step out and do it but I'm talking about an inward transformation this is something I've been just just really 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 passionate about lately is are we being transformed and transformed internally are we going through this process? Or are we continuing to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, expecting that God's glory is just going to fall at any moment? 
I just got to keep coming to church, and his glory will sooner or later happen. It'll, it'll fall. It'll be great. Revival will keep happening. Bam. I mean, cool, but what, what happens if, if just a complete outbreak of the glory of God happens in this place? Are we capable of handling the process of pastoring people? Of dealing with those who come in who are broken and who are wounded and who are hurting? Are we actually reaching people outside of the church walls, or are we just hoping that the glory of God comes in this place so you can just tell somebody to go to the church and that's all that they need and you can just continue doing whatever it is that you're doing, just happy that the Lord showed up? Revival happens here first before it happens here. William Barclay says that many times when we actually go and we pray, we're praying that God's will be changed instead of God's will be done. How many of us are, are when we go to, to, the, to the process of saying, I'm going to the throne room today, we're just praying that his will is changed. We just pray that he does your bidding. God turns into a genie. How often do we do that? I mean, it sounds extreme. It sounds real silly. Like, psh, of course, God's not genie in a bottle. But have you listened to yourself pray sometimes? I'm talking to myself. If it resonates with you, then praise the Lord. But how often do we go through this process where we're just hoping and just saying, God, you just need to show up. You just need to show up. When God said, you need to show up. What are you doing? You're not doing anything. You're just showing up to church, that's it. But you're not actually doing anything throughout the day. Your language is crass. Your thought process is poor. The way you view others is horrid. Your midnight musings are perverse. Ooh, it's quiet. <laughs> Come on. I'm not trying to come down on us. I'm, I'm trying to, to, give us, to give us an encouragement of saying that there is more to this faith than standing here and hoping that God's glory comes just like he did at, at Brownsville. Do you know what was happening before at Brownsville too? There were people who were a part of that leadership committee who were tired of the status quo and they were seeking after a move of God. They were seeking after something to happen because they knew that there was more than just a Sunday morning service. John Kilpatrick, he was wore out and he was a burnout pastor. Steve Hill was a burnout evangelist. desperate for something to happen are we desperate for something to happen or are we just satisfied with the status quo be holy as i am holy holiness comes with a price no greater love than this when a man lays down his life for his friends jesus said i do not call you slaves i call you friends are we truly laying down our lives saying, Jesus, you are the Lord. You are the one who is over my life. Everything that I do is going to be filtered through your preferences. Everything I do is going to be filtered through transformation through your standard and not my own standard for myself. So easily do we fall short. So easily do we do we manipulate and make room for sin in our own minds, in our own hearts? For some of us, it's because no one else is looking, and it's very easy to do that. Maybe someone's not keeping you accountable, and you're just a pathological liar because you could just get away with it. You just feel like no one's going to call you on it, so you're fine just doing that. This is also the process of the body of Christ to be able to call one another out for the crap that we try to deliver. We're missing the mark. Come on. We have to be accountable. We have to keep each other accountable. Judgment happens inside the house of the Lord. Doesn't happen outside. I'm not supposed to go out and judge people who don't follow after Jesus. That's not my job. They don't, they don't follow the standard. They don't claim to follow the standard that I'm living by, which is by, by the Bible. So I'm not going to call them accountable for things that they're not being held accountable for. However, when we are inside the house of God, we need to call each other. I'm saying each other because I'm in this category too. I'm not just the guy that stands here in perfection. I am imperfect. Holy and completely imperfect. And so, that's right. No, I'm not perfect. I'm imperfect. That means not perfect. 
So that means that we need to be able to call each other into accountability when we see that we're not hitting the mark, when we've missed the standard. Something that I really enjoyed about being a part of a team whenever I was playing athletics is that we were able to call each other out on the field as well. We were able to point out, hey, I see that you missed this block. What was going on with this? This guy got in on this hole over here. Not supposed to happen. He's supposed to block that guy here. Hey, I saw that you missed your route. We need to make sure we do this. Oh, I missed my read. Th this was actually a different defense. I'm sorry. We need to be able to call each other out and call each other higher. That doesn't mean we don't do it in love. There's a definitely a loving way that we can go about this. And we don't need to chastise people for something many times that they know that they were wrong. But can we walk these things out in humility and holiness? Jesus didn't shy away from conflict. Jesus didn't shy away from tough issues. Yet, he was extremely holy in all the things that he did. Also, Jesus didn't feel like he needed to go and hang out with sinners. Sinners wanted to come and hang out with him. Listen to that. Hold on. Listen. Jesus didn't feel like he had to go out and hang out with sinners. His holiness attracted those who were walking in sin, and they wanted what he had so much so that they were willing to go and hang out with him. They would invite him to your house. They would follow after him and go to some places. You don't have to go into the darkest, deepest pits of all kinds of things in order to see people. There are people all over the community. Are you walking out in holiness? And in the process of walking in holiness, are you listening to the voice of God? And when you hear his voice, are you obeying? It's one thing to hear God. It's another thing to obey. It's great to know scripture. It's great to read scripture. But if you're not applying it, it doesn't matter that you know all the Bible memorized front, front words and backwards. I mean, the devil knew the Bible. He talked to Jesus about it. You don't believe me? Read Matthew chapter 4. When the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he was quoting scripture. The devil knows the Bible. Just because he knows it doesn't mean that he's saved. Doesn't mean that he's obeying it. You can know all the scripture in the world, but if you don't lift a finger and you don't move a muscle, you don't take a step forward and you don't walk out in what God is asking you to, then it doesn't matter at all that you know scripture. It doesn't matter at all that you come to church every Sunday. It doesn't matter at all that you raise your hands during worship. If you are not obeying what his word says, you are not following after Jesus. You are a poser. I have been guilty plenty of times of being a poser. Coming to church on a Sunday and living however I want to on another day easy to do especially when you're not around certain people who can keep you accountable very 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 easy to do however if you realize that the holy god is living inside of you through the gift of the holy spirit that he has sent then you have a realization that he is with you at every single step of the way and so if he is holy and you want to please the one who you're supposed to be having a relationship with then we need to be able to walk out our salvation our our, our becoming sanctified, our sanctified self and becoming sanctified in fear and trembling. Walk out your salvation in fear and trembling. That doesn't mean that I'm terrified for my life, but it means that I have a reverence for God. It means that the same thing as if you had a bonfire in the middle of this place right here. Anybody ever been to a bonfire before? They're amazing, especially if you have a really big one. Awesome to look at. I mean, I could just stare at a fire for hours and hours and hours, and nothing else is happening. It's like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> this is so fun. Just, it's mesmerizing. However, I'm not just going to go lay in the middle of the fire. You know why? I'm not an idiot. Number two, I have a, a healthy respect or a healthy fear of the flame. I could be around it. I can experience the heat of it. That's awesome. But I'm not going to dive into it and think that I'm just going to be even that, that much more awesome because it felt so good over here outside of this flame. Now if I just get inside of it, it's going to be even better. Nope, you find out real quick. That's a quick trip to the hospital or to the grave. You'll be put into the ground after that. We have to have a healthy respect and a healthy fear, reverence for God. His holiness 
is greater than what our human bodies have been able to to meet because we have not hit the standard. We cannot hit the standard on our own. And if we attempt to define that for ourselves, it's like we're getting into the middle of the bonfire saying that I'm completely safe because I've defined this flame. You haven't defined the flame. You may have started the fire. You may have been around it, but that doesn't mean that you have the power of the flame. We have to have a holy reverence and respect for the power and the glory of God in the sense that we, we can be around it, we can be, we can be by it, we can be mesmerized by it, but we know that we are not the flame itself. Whenever I walk away from the bonfire, it is no longer warm. So I need the flame to stay warm. If you walk away from the standard and from the holiness of who God is, then you'll start to find that there, you'll start to find that, that there's a lot more cool atmosphere that you will be a part of that will not be comfortable for you because you're trying to define things for yourself, saying that you are warm enough without the flame. You want Jesus? You have to be by it. But you cannot be the flame. You have to be fearful and reverent of his holiness and his righteousness. And the more you're by that flame, the more you can invite people to come and be a part of gazing at his glory, of being transformed by who he is, not because of who you are. I love that, that Paul says um, when he's talking about, I believe it's at the end of Galatians, I brought this up a couple weeks ago, that they celebrated when they heard of what was going on in Paul's life, they celebrated God and gave him glory because of what Paul had done. They didn't give Paul glory, they gave God glory because of what had happened in Paul's life. How many times are we doing things having a conversation with somebody and we'll give God glory because of the testimony that you've shared with them. How often do people say, man, I just feel so much more closer to God after this conversation. I just feel like the Holy Spirit really unveiled some things through, through you to me. Well, you didn't get the praise, but God got all of the glory. Oftentimes are we listening when we're praying instead of just saying words? I think many times when we pray, we feel like we have to open our mouths the entire time and say stuff. Unfortunately, that's been the way that prayer has been communicated much in, in our Western culture. Oh, did you pray today? Well, I, I ran out of things to talk about, so it was like 30 seconds. How often do we just listen? We treat it, we treat prayer like a grocery list instead of like a conversation. I don't wake up and give God my grocery list of things that he needs to do. It's not a honey-do list. All right, God, do this for me. Oh, that's all I need today. Great. Genie in a bottle. How often are we listening? I was talking to Danielle last night. We were talking about, about prayer a little bit too, and it reminded me of, um, there's a, a, it's a, an artist, her name is Stephanie Gretzinger, one of my favorite worship leaders. She, she has, I mean, my, my favorite album that she's ever put out is called The Undoing. And in, uh, in writing this, she was up in, uh, they were in a, at this really beautiful cabin over in Northern California. And uh, the producer at the time, his name is Gabriel Wilson. He was talking with her and she was like, I have writer's block so horribly right now. Siri's trying to talk to me. Um, not now, geez. Um, that uh, she said I had writer's block really, really bad. Just it was, I just couldn't write anything down. I didn't, I, I don't know what's going on. I just can't form melodies or anything like that. And he said, each morning, wake up, don't say a word, grab your journal, go outside. 
Get the most beautiful scenic view that you can find around this area and go to that spot. Don't say a word. Don't open your mouth. Open your pen and write everything that comes to your mind. Every single thing, regardless of what it is, write down every single thing that comes to your mind and continue to do that until you have nothing else to write that morning. And then read it back. Writer's block completely goes away. She was able to see the things that were in her heart and the things that God was actually telling her because she took the time not to say words. To just put pen to paper. Just to write down what she felt like she was hearing and what was in her mind. Sometimes we take too much time trying to find lists and people to pray for and things. And those are all good. I mean, it's wonderful. We're supposed to intercede for others. We're supposed to go through this process. But many times we're, we're just spouting off things we want God to do instead of asking God what he wants us to do. This is a part of a great relationship. If you really want to please the person that you're with, you ask them what they enjoy. You ask them what they like. You figure out what it is that pleases them, what it is that, that will make them happy. What is it that's going to excite them in the process of, of, your, of your relationship? And so why do we not do this with God as well? When we're walking throughout our days, are we listening for the voice of God in those moments? God is holy. God is holy. So be holy as God is holy. I'll end with this. I'm going to end up preaching on this chapter next week, but I'm going to read just a little bit of it. I think it's important. So that first half of chapter 5 talks about being free in Christ. The second half is life by the Spirit. Right before he goes through the fruit of the Spirit, he talks about the fruit of the flesh. Verse 24, he says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Holiness does not envy someone else's position. Holiness does not envy or provoke or anything like that. Since we live by the Spirit, we can walk by the Spirit. Those who walk by the Spirit do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Because the things that the flesh wants and the Spirit wants are opposite of one another. truly are in Christ then that means that we have to go through the process of becoming like Christ when a branch is connected to the vine that means that all the nutrients that the branch gets is not from the branches capabilities of just absorbing it from the air that branch receives the nutrients that come from the vine and is disseminated and dispersed so if you're a part of the vine, if you are a part of Christ, then that means that all the things that Christ has, you have access to. The holiness that Jesus walks in, you can also walk out in the process of becoming more and more holy. But we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about walking out in this holiness by knowing who we are connected to and we are connected with. Jesus is very merciful. He's very gracious. He'll take you through a beautiful process of becoming more and more holy. He's not just going to dump every single thing that you need to have all in one shot. But what he will do is he'll take you through little by little, piece by piece, in ways that you may feel like it's overwhelming, but it's just what you need. It's just the thing that you need at that point in time. 
so that you can work on that specific area that prepares you for the next process of transformation. Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's why whenever you get saved, you're not met with a shotgun at the altar. Come on. I mean, if it was all about just getting to heaven, then why don't we just get murdered after we accept Christ? Like, what's, what's the use of being here after that? That's not, that's not the essence of it. Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. That means that there's a reality that he wants, to, uh, wants us to live through on earth that is co-laboring with him that displays his glory here on earth for others to experience his glory and to get to know him. And our relationship begins here and continues after we pass. It doesn't start when we get to heaven. It starts now. It starts here. And it continues. And so if this process is preparing me to continue in this place, man, I want to be as holy as I can. I want to walk out in righteousness as much as I can. But I need to be transformed in that process. This is not a fast food religion. This is a fine gourmet meal. There's a lot of process, a lot of prep work that goes into this. But the beautiful thing is that at the Last Supper, when we get to the place where, where we are finally with Christ, my goodness, that meal is going to be delicious. Because the fruit of our lives will be on display. His holiness will be very, will be very evident in our lives. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So my challenge to you this morning is to speak with the Lord. Speak with the Lord truly. Have conversations with him and listen. Listen for his word. Don't just know his word. Know Jesus. Don't just listen to sermons. Listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. Practice that. You're not going to get it right every time. That's okay. We're going to practice this. this we're, we're a practicing church. We're not a you have arrived and so now you can be here church we want you to grow we want to grow we're in this together his holiness is mentioned over 400 times he is holy God is love us doesn't mean we don't act in love but it means that love is filtered through holiness someone else like you or God. That's why when we're defining gender, when we're defining marriage, when we're defining all these different things that we're dealing with in society right now, they act under the guise of love, but it is unholy. The love is filtered through unholiness, and so it's defined by whatever it is that they want. But when love is defined through holiness, it has very specific instructions. to the side I can go on for about 30 more minutes and with that with that whole conversation that's for another day love is defined through holiness and so if you are walking out even in friendships if you're walking out in friendships and saying I'm just loving them are you really loving them or are you calling them to a higher standard in holiness and that's why I'm loving them in the midst of this is that through holiness I'm calling them into this in love because God is love because God is holy We need to be full of reverence when we approach God, knowing that a holy God, when Moses had the presence of God in the midst of his, of his face, in the midst of, his, of the mountain, when he walked up and, and the, the bush was on fire, he took off his sandals and was like, I'm on holy ground. And holy, because the presence of God is, is so much more important in holiness 
He didn't say, oh, wow, I'm taking off my sandals. I feel the love in the room. His holiness. His holiness. Be holy as I am holy. Let's stand with me. Jesus, we apologize for the times that we have discounted your holiness and we've just settled for uh, a, a twisted variation of what we called love. We're sorry for making excuses for our own sin. We're sorry for the times that we have that we have taken advantage of your grace. By continuing in certain things, Lord, convict our hearts, transform our minds. Bring to light those things that we're struggling with and we're dealing with. Give us confidence in the midst of that to where, yes, we feel the weightiness of the sin, but we also feel the cleansing of your blood. Lord, let us be quick to come to your feet in repentance. Let us understand the gift of restoration that you have given us. Let us hear your voice clearly. Let us study your word, not just so that we can have head knowledge, but so we can know intentionally what you're asking of us. Lord, as we open our mouths, let us be reminded of your words and how you treated others. Let us rise to the standard that you've called us to. And let us be humble in the process as we most, ass most assuredly will make mistakes in the process. Thank you that you are loving. Thank you that you're gracious. Thank you that you're righteous, that you're holy, that you're pure, that you're wonderful. Thank you for your sacrifice that you made on the cross and that it wasn't in vain. Your patience is more than any one of us would be able to offer to other people. And so help us to be molded into, into a greater image like you. Thank you that we are sanctified and are being sanctified. Thank you that we are saved and are being saved. Thank you that this process is not just a one and done and that we can do whatever we need to, but that God, that you have patience in the midst of our transformation so that we can be imagers in the way that you've called us into. You're so incredible. praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a wonderful Sunday morning. Go and eat, eat lunch with somebody if you want to. Say hello to, to, to those who are around you. And we'll see those of you guys on Wednesday night. The rest of you guys next week on Sunday.